This is the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of July 12th. I'm your host, D. Swab, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and the outlaw, Kyle McFadden. Uh, boys, kind of a crazy, hectic weekend last week, Kovac, at Deer Creek, where you were at a heartbreak hotel for Hudson O'Neill. He had that thing. He was leading pretty much the majority of that race. Bobble coming out of turn two. Pierce pounce at the moment. One of the best guys ever doing in slide jobs. Uh, then we had a photo finish. We didn't know who won. It took about 10 minutes to decide who the winner was. I had Bobby Pierce on the transponders. Uh, the angle I tweeted out, other people thought maybe Hudson O'Neill won. But all in all, they just you know decided that angle wasn't good enough for the win. Bobby Pierce picks up $50,000 and uh, – Kind of get the social media buzzing there for that whole weekend there at Deer Creek, especially 24 hours after the fact, all day Sunday. I mean, I think my tweet had so many damn views and so many, you know, professionals deciding who the winner was. But all in all, Bobby Pierce uh, beat Hudson O'Neill, probably one of the closest finishes we'll ever will see in dirt late model racing. Yeah, two thousandths of a second. Uh, you can't really get closer than that, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's a blink of not even a blink of an eye almost. I mean, it was so close. I couldn't tell who won. I, I was standing inside of turns three and four in the infield. Uh, and, and I saw I could see the other side of the racetrack in turns one and two. And I saw Hudson O'Neill kind of get up on that. I mean, that cushion was the wall basically i mean it, it was there was, it was no so treacherous i mean it, it was it was built up against the wall and i mean guys were sparking all race long and and that wall isn't very high remember remember thursday night shane clanton cleared it in turns three and four i uh, just kind of bounced right over it didn't roll or anything just ended up down on the on a road down there beyond, beyond the track uh so he, and and everybody started running up there for the second half of that 75 lap feature on saturday it just was um, it, it, it was, it, it, they were on the edge, everybody, you know, you couldn't really run anywhere, but that, and, um, you, you bobbled and it, it was going to be bad. And, uh, in that last lap, he Hudson bobbled just and he got his kind of right rear hooked up there a little bit on the wall in the, in that cushion, um, just enough to let Bobby get close enough where he could make a move going down that backstretch. He, like Bobby said, I was up in his fuel cell going down the back and I was like, I had to make a move. And, and Bobby had was a little leery about making a move uh, to make us right. take a slider in three and four. He had done it on Thursday night. He tried to pass Dalton Wilson for the lead and you know, about halfway through the 25 lap feature. And man, it, he didn't have to do it actually. Cause Dalton had a flat tire, uh, had a tire going down and a caution was coming out at the same time. Uh, Bobby didn't know that obviously as he was making the move and man, that car just slid right across the racetrack. He couldn't hold it. He, man, he, man, he clocked that wall and turned four, broke the rear axle and was out of the race. So he was thinking that when, uh, when he was trying, when he was attempting this move in the last lap, uh, but he was able to, it, it was, he was able to hold it just enough. And Hudson wasn't, wasn't able to get off that turn quite enough to, you know, get ahead enough where everybody could see that he was ahead. It was, there's a question. Maybe he was ahead, but that, in that start finish line at, um, you know, the flag stands not too far down the track. It's not all, it's not as far down as some tracks at, at, at Deer right. Creek. So Hudson didn't have as enough. I mean, if it would have been down a little bit farther, I mean, it would have been no question who was ahead. Uh, but the way they came in, if you weren't right on right, exactly even a, a, a looking at it or with a video or, uh, or camera. I mean, it, it was, it was too close to call. I mean, especially with Hudson was going a little faster because he had more momentum coming off, uh, off the top of turn four rather than, you know, uh, Pierce slide a little bit. So he was, so you have those, that, that, that uh, factor in there too, with the cars not going the same speed and, uh, and it was just wild to, you know, it's one of those weird situations when nobody knows who won. You're just kind of waiting, you know. Uh, Robert Holman, you've been racing a long time. Uh, obviously, the loop, I think they kind of said it or theories are saying that it was obviously before the start finish line. So what's the point of having a start finish line flag saying we don't need it anymore, right? We're just going to go off this invisible line. That's just some of the stuff I'm hearing just on my response. I'm just kind of reading different things that people are putting there. Just, uh, I don't know. It was a crazy, awesome finish, and they got the fans buzzing. And I think that's good for dirt late model racing. You have these two young hot shoes duking it out. And if it's not Hudson O'Neill winning, 
or not Hudson O'Neill. Sorry, let me go back. If it's not Ricky Thornton Jr. winning, it seems like this one and 32 car are always side by side here in 2023. And this, you know, proved once again, these two are just duking it out, these two young guns. Well, you know, to your first point, I've said, uh, I think I started this at the end of last year. I haven't really said it publicly, but just like to my brother and to, to my wife, while watching some of my daughter, while watching some of these races, we don't even need a, uh, not only do we not need a flag stand anymore, we don't need a flagman anymore, in all honesty. Um, the flagman used to be, you know, when I was growing up, the flagman controlled everything. Uh, there were no transponders, there were no no scoring devices, there were no uh, receivers. So the flagman, you know, the flagman even crawled down out of the flag stand and lined everything up before and then walked back up. And, and you'll still see that occasionally. But the, uh, but the flagman controlled the whole thing. Um, you know, all he had was uh, his communication with maybe some corner spotters and maybe somebody in the tower that's kind of watching stuff. But, uh, but with what we have now, with the technology that we have now, we don't even need a person, honestly, that the flagman is in the in there just for show. Uh, we could have uh, we, we could have digital screens up there showing two to go, showing five to go. Uh, you know, sh you know, with it could get brighter when there's one to go with the white flag. You know, we don't we don't need a flagman because the flagman technically, unless you get to some, you know, I don't want to like people to get mad at me, but unless you get to some backwoods track that doesn't have all the technology, the flagman doesn't control anything anymore. Everything's controlled from the tower. The flagman is told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Uh, the flagman gets his, you know, in his ear, five to go. The flagman, hey, it's two to go. Uh, you know, if you stand up there in the tower like we do, you'll hear them say, hey, two to go on the, on the 12th, you know, two to go on the five, you know, you know, they, you know, five to go, 32 coming at you. You know, you'll hear them telling the flagman every single move to make. Why are we putting a guy in harm's way up there? I mean, I haven't seen very many flagmen get hurt. I've seen a flag stand get tore down at McMinnville Speedway years ago when I was little. Uh, obviously, we had that situation with the flagman taking, you know, a huge chunk of mud or rock, whatever, uh, uh, to his face up there in uh, – uh, at the dirt million or whatever it was called, uh, in Mansfield, Ohio, right, yep. a couple, mm -hmm. yeah, Mansfield a couple years ago. So, you know, um, <laughs> that was I, brutal. I, it was, I definitely like it. Uh, sidebar. I like it when a flagman wears a helmet just because it is really depending on the flag stand. And, you know, there are some flag stands that I asked my brother, could you even see him? He's so far up there or, and, and he's like, yeah, I can see him. And so I'm I'm actually shocked at some of these flag stands that my brother or like any racer can actually even see, you know. Uh, I, I so Charlotte, right, was, Robert? Uh, I'm a Charlotte. How high that is <laughs> that that flag stand there? There are a bunch like that that are way so far up there. You better get a look at it coming off of turn four. You know, if you don't catch it coming off four, you're not going to see what's up there because these cars are very difficult to see up out of anyway. They're difficult to see over. They're difficult to see up. Anyway, so I'll get off of that uh, uh, now, but but that's my thing on flagman. We don't need them. We could put screens up there. The technology's there to to have all this stuff where someone in the booth can control it with switches. He can control it with two to go. He can hit the lights, hit the red. Hit. We have stoplights, you know, on a highway. Why do, why can't we? You know. Anyway, so you get my drift on that. We don't need them. Uh, but as far as the other point. Yes, it seems like the 32 and the 1 or the uh, have been glued together all season long, at least since speed weeks, since Bobby kind of got that bad luck off. In, since Bobby kind of slung the monkey off of his back there after speed weeks, he's been incredible. You know, I've seen some things that, um, especially after Monday night's race uh, at, I believe, Dubuque, than you know where he won. So especially after that, there are people saying he should be ranked number one. And right now, over the last probably week, ten days, he he definitely has been one of the, maybe arguably the hottest driver out there. So these, so so they've kind of 
rotated it. You had Hudson coming out of speed weeks. Then you had RTJ get really hot. And then now, you know, Bobby's kind of on this little heater right here. So, yeah, those three guys have just been glued at the hip all season long. And, uh, and, and it's fun. I'm glad. I don't like a two-horse race. You know, I don't really like that. I like to see two, three, four, five guys be able to really mix it up. You know, I rem Kevin remembers the days of going to a racetrack and expecting Billy Moyer, expecting Scott Bloomquist to just win the race. And when they pulled in, I remember the days of Jeff Purvis pulling in and you were running for second. Uh, when these three guys show up, you don't really know. Uh, and then, of course, let's not count out, obviously, Overton and Davenport and these other guys who are capable of winning. So I like a three horse race. It's good for the sport. Um, you know, so, so yeah, these two guys, it seems like, and I, and I don't, I don't anticipate it being different for the rest of the year. I think that I don't see if one of them slacks off, the other one's going to be there. I think that it's going to be like this uh, throughout the season. So it's going to be fun. Kyle McFadden, what was your overall thoughts? I'm sure you were at the summer nationals, but you saw social media, you saw the replays. I'm sure you went back and watched the highlights. Was, I mean, it's very – I think they made the right call just in terms that the camera angle is not right there at the flag stand, so it's kind of, you know, different. If you're using train spawners, I get it the whole time. But we've seen circumstances in the past, like at the, you know, the Eldora prelim there with Rick Eckert and uh, Brian Burke offer. Uh, what was just your overall reaction and thoughts of it? Yeah, I think it <clears> – <throat> I think at first it's really easy to look at the replay – look at the photos that come out minutes after and you know while the the whole official finish is in limbo you know they're still determining you know who's the winner this and that it could be really easy to to like be adamant that Hudson should be the winner right I mean it can be really easy to get locked up in that moment and and look at the little evidence or like not even a little bit of evidence, but the, the, you know, finish on flow on social media. And, you know, I'm just watching this thing over and over and over again, trying to slow it down, backtracking it, watching it over again at Highland Speedway there on Saturday for the summer nationals deal. And it's just like, I'm thinking like my first thought was, Oh man, Rick Schwally and the Lucas Oatley model dirt series are, and another rock in a hard place, right? Um, and another seemingly can't really win situation, even though it was perhaps the best finish of the year. It was so good that you don't even, you know, you can't determine the winner on the spot. You have to 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 think through how to how to officiate this, right? And so that was just my first thought. And honestly, even before like I had a feeling that they were going to declare Bobby the winner just because like, I know that there's been instances in the past where they've deferred to either, you know, that photo finish at the Adore prelim that you had just mentioned, you know, like I've realized that there's, that there's been times in the past where like, you know, they've deferred to that rather than the scoring loop. But like, you know, they made the right call for sure. Um, and everybody's got their own opinions on this too. But apparently, you know, that that scoring loop was at the second E in Speedway on the front stretch, which is probably like based on the photos I was looking at, it was probably like five or six feet maybe behind the flag stand, maybe more. Um, so obviously that explains as to why Bobby, you know, hit the scoring loop before Hudson and ultimately why he was declared the winner. Um, but, you know, it's just like any other sports, right? I mean, the initial call based on the scoring loop was that Bobby beat Hudson back to the pylon, back to the start-finish line. There just isn't enough clear evidence to overturn that, right? There just wasn't. So um, there was really no straight-on camera angle or shot. I mean, it was all – on an angle, right? There was no head-on shot from what I saw and from like what I gathered and it'd be hard to overturn that. So, um, and also too, 
Like if you're going to defer or if you're going to rely on the scoring loop, every other lap prior to the last lap, you know, when determining how to line up restarts and whatnot, and, and just as a guy has scored from lap to lap throughout a race, you know, why is that any different on the last lap, right? So like, why do we have to now look at the flag stand as what Robert was saying and, and, and now we'll, and 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 have that be the reference right to to where um you know the races are ultimately won and lost so you know obviously uh another difficult situation there for rick schwally and the team but as always they've they've handled everything thrown their way this year with professionalism uh with dignity um and i mean it's 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 they are as professional as you can get in our sport. And so people need to, those who are still maybe upset about how things were handled on Saturday, if there's any of them out there, they just need to let it go and realize that, um, you know, we have some of the most professional people running the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. And, you know, hopefully maybe this will spark a conversation that maybe needs to be had at other racetracks throughout the sport too as to, you know, how, um, you know, what needs to be done with the flag stand, where uh, scoring loops, why aren't they? If, you you know, you do keep those flag stands in place, why isn't the scoring loop um, aligned with the flag stand? You know, it's just all these talks and all these conversations, right, That'll that hopefully will be had moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, definitely a unique situation. I've never seen anything like it. And, uh, you know, it was exciting as it can get, you know, let's say that. Kovac, you were on location. How was the, how was the reactions to, you know, Bob Pierce? How was the reactions to Rocket One? I'm sure uh, now at this day and age, people can get text messages instantly. So I'm sure both these teams are getting, you know, photos of like the finish at the end. And, they're, you know, it took a good 10 minutes probably to make the decision. It seemed like it took forever, but. They wanted to get it right, like Kyle said, but what was just the scene when they were trying to make that final decision? Because you got James and uh, DJ up there. They don't want to really declare the winner. They're trying to maintain a calm, steady nature. But how was it like in the pits or whenever they were making the decision at the Lucas show? Because like I said, those guys were probably getting text messages and photos of what was going on. Well, the, the officials were mostly in the infield or at the scales outside of turn one. Uh, you know, all the top five guys, everybody left the track, uh, you know, right when the race is over. And the top five guys, including, they had to go to the scales first, uh, right outside of one. They go go across the racetrack. And that was like for every race. And they have to also check, check the droop. So they're checking droop and, and after weighing. So that takes a little while also. But Bobby Pierce was saying, like, he's there getting his droop checked, uh, getting that car jacked up. And he's like, no, no one's said that he's won. He said he kept... Looking at that, he, he saw his number. He was pumping his fist on the cooldown lap. So he thought he won because he kind of did see that uh, on that scoreboard also. And he said the scoreboard seemed like it, it was right all the time because it was, it was you know, connected to the uh, my race pass scoring. And so he's looking at that, and that, that's keeping him pumped up that, like, I think I'm going to get the decision. But then people are also telling him, ah, you know, they're, they're still looking at this. So he couldn't tell. Um I think that if I'm correct, I believe I saw the Rocket One car, uh, Hudson come back out first, uh, back onto the racetrack for the you know post-race stuff. He was and he parked on the inside of the uh, the racetrack towards turn four on the home stretch. Um, he's met there by the team. I walked over there and, and was talking with uh, with Mark Richards and you know the team and guys in the team. As Hudson, uh, you know, he was didn't know what was happening. He was mad at himself for letting him get in that situation. You could see that Hudson thought that yeah, he should not even Yeah, people forget he was the to, one that got into yeah. that situation. So That's right. It's one of those deals where, like, Hudson was like, I, I, I shouldn't even have been in a situation to, to have a photo finish here. He had bobbled a little bit in that one and two, and that let him – that set up the, the deal where Bobby could make a move and make a photo finish. So he's still kind of, you know, kicking himself over that. Uh, Mark Richards is there looking at his phone like – Again, not this. This was a bad cell signal area. This, all those people, record crowd. Um, everyone couldn't get their cell, you know, get their text messages perfectly. But all 
Mark seemed to be getting them because he had a bunch of photos from people taking screenshots of the of the video broadcast of the video on the broadcast and um and showing them. Oh, look at here! It looks like looks like uh, Hudson's ahead by a little bit, you know. And so he's looking at that, and um, so he's positive about that. Like maybe they'll give us the call because of because of uh you know the video. Um, Rick Schwally, you know, and his officials, they're looking at everything. I mean, they he looked through everything, you know. They they saw like there was a, a couple of years ago if you remember at Florence Speedway Earl Pearson Jr and Josh Josh Rice had a photo finish at a, in the Lucas race there and uh and that was I'm pretty sure it was uh, it was 2000th of a second also and they there was people that thought Josh Rice might have been ahead uh but Heath Lawson, the photographer for Luke's Oil Series, had got a picture right at the start finish line. Uh, what they, what was deemed the start finish line, and uh, so they made had a made a they could make a call there because it was right even uh, with the finish. There was no such thing. Nobody got a finish like that. Heath didn't get that that photo this time. No other photographer was right lined up there. I mean, there was a couple that were. I saw one that was a little bit ahead, and it looks like Hudson's head. But again, that's not the right angle to to see. Uh, to make a call and it was the same thing with the video up top the camera was not straight on uh to the flag stand uh going through all that <coughs> not enough to overturn it and schwally had to go with uh you know with the transponders he said and also that you get again they also did look at the where the transponders were located on the left front of the cars and making making sure there was no big deviation there and they didn't find anything so they had to had to give it to that schwally was like oh my god another one of this Friday was a good, was an easy night for him. You know, he didn't have any controversies. But if you remember, Thursday night, he had to throw out, he had to disqualify Ricky Thornton Jr. because he hit uh, Hudson O'Neill after the checker flag in the backstretch. Uh, disqualification right to the end, no points. I mean, that kind of messed up Ricky's weekend. And, and that, that officially wasn't announced for four hours after the race. So there was a lot of deliberations going on there. So, I mean, that was another another tough one for uh for Schwally, and then you have this coming up, a great finish, but a controversial one also. Yeah, it was a controversial one. People are going to be, you know, talking about it for years. I remember in 2012, Rodney Melvin and Jason Fager at the Prairie Dirt Classic, they had a photo finish like that as well. Gave it to Rodney Melvin. Fager Nation was upset if you look at the different photos and angles. Uh, but I think that was before transponders. I think that was just off a judgment call there. But if we're going to go through transponders, Robert Holman, I think one thing that all tracks should do is have like an orange pole or a different color pole to show where your start finish line transponders at. I think it's very fair for the drivers. I think it's fair for the fans that they know, hey, this is where the start finish line or the transponder line's at. Or maybe we just get it closer to the flag scene. I don't know if that's possible. I was reading online that maybe it'll trip it up and then you have to take it off the flag stand. I think for these bigger races shows, do we put like a horse cam there for a photo finish right at the start finish line? Like you see in NASCAR and, you know, the big time uh, marquee horse races. Let's just some thoughts. Maybe we can uh, safe proof this and, you know, even declare the winner even more. Just if we ha if we can't just go off transponders. Um, you know, I agree 100 percent that that uh, that these lines have to be marked. Uh, I don't care where the line is. Uh, because here's the thing, when you when you trip the line, it doesn't trip again until you make a full lap, right? <laughs> so so what difference does it make where the line is other than the fact that you need to know it? You know, the like I said before, we don't really need flagmen. The flagman's there for show. The flagman is nowadays, the flagman is there to wave a flag and signify the beginning of the race. He can still stand up there and wave his flag. I really like a flagman who who gets all crazy and, you know, does all that neat stuff and so and a real showman. Uh, so and you know, you see little kids still have bring their flags and stuff. They love that stuff. So so maybe we don't get rid of the flagman, but maybe we we own up to what the flagman is today. He's a he's an ambassador. He's a showman up there, and so let's let that guy do his job and start the race and throw the green flag and the red flag and the checkered flag and everything, the move-over flag. But let's also admit that that is not necessarily the start-finish line because if the transponder line, if that loop, so to speak, is, is buried after the flag stand or before the flag stand, Guys just need to know it. It's just a matter of that's just one of the things that should be covered 
and I think it may be after this because this was this was not you know uh, some small regional race that didn't have eyes on it. Obviously, this is a, a crown jewel that a fifty thousand dollar to win race that a lot of people were looking at. So I think moving forward, you will see in drivers' meetings. I hope that uh, promoters, you know, you see some stubborn promoters out there that maybe didn't even watch this race, right? But you hope that there are promoters learning from this, uh, series directors learning from this, and officials that during their driver's meeting, uh, they will say, this is where our loop is buried. This is where our line is. So so that way it's clear. That way when you there's no debate on social media because let's face it, 20, 25 years ago, that that rate Hudson O'Neill would have been declared the winner of that race. Period. There's there's no doubt about it. It from everything that you looked at the, from the eyeball, it looked at like at the flag stand. Hudson O'Neill was a little bit ahead. So maybe next year when I put the nose on my car, I stretch it out about six inches just in case you know, uh, in case you know there, there's that comes up again. But there shouldn't be a debate because there's a transponder line. That's what scores the race. And like Kyle said, like I mentioned in Fast Talk, like Kyle said a few minutes ago, if you're going to score the first 74 that way, why would you score the last one differently? It's illogical. It, it makes no sense. You score every lap the same way. So, yes, mark the line. Draw a piece of chalk, run a, a chalk line across it be, to begin the race. That way... That way, before the race starts, you can, they'll know at least where it's at. Put a cone down there, paint the paint the wall. I think I saw a picture from somewhere, can't remember where it was at, a, a slideshow that I was doing this weekend, that it looked like a, maybe Swainsboro that had checkered flags, checkered marks painted on the wall. I don't know if that's their start-finish line. But by golly, it should be, and that's the way they all should be done. When you look at these lines, you can't determine, uh, you don't know why a person put a line in a certain spot, okay? It could be because this is the only way we had to, to bury it. It could be that there are power lines somewhere else. There could be a drainage line somewhere else. There are all kinds of factors that go into determining where you bury that line, okay? Um, so... Uh, I just don't think that that it's I, I do think that it is a cut and dry issue. Just make everyone aware of it, you know, ahead of time, you know, put the line on the wall, uh, put a cone out there uh, and, you know, let everybody know this is where you race back to. You know, this is where you got to get to. You know, I heard somebody say that, you know, well, maybe, you know, Hudson let up a little bit hudson did not let up a little bit these guys are professionals they're racing through the flag stand there's no let up you know so there there's the only thing hudson did wrong was bobble in that in that you know turns one and two the only thing bobby did wrong was was he stayed up the racetrack too much and let hudson turn under him uh you know so other than that nobody did anything wrong rick swally did nothing wrong no one has done anything wrong here the only thing that that has happened wrong is a little bit of communication lapse and lucas oil they don't have to get online and and d defend themselves they don't have to get online and explain anything i do think there will be some you know some more sentences in the rule book moving forward but but you know they they did everything. Nobody did anything wrong here. You know, you have the transponder, in my opinion, for a reason to score the race. We no longer score the race by hand. Occasionally, you'll see a person up there scoring it by hand as a backup only in case the transponder situation fails. Uh, and God, I, I wouldn't want that job at all. But but, you know, you see those people still doing that. But the transponder scores the race. So why we, you know, there's they sh there should never be a debate about it. And the people that are arguing about it on social media just don't either A, don't have enough information or B, don't care when they get it. They just don't care to digest the information. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Uh, Kyle, like I said, though, like 
football fields. You got the line there. I think that'd be that'd be great uh, to add like a line or a pole just to even know, as we mentioned earlier. What about a camera? We got a photo finish camera right there. That'd be cool too, I think. Come on, turn if you're listening to the podcast. Make it happen for the broadcast. Right. Exactly. Right. I mean, in an era where, look, we strap GoPros and cameras to seems like, or I say we as in like somebody in the racing world, and you see this a lot in sprint car racing, maybe not as much as in late model racing, but you definitely see it in late model racing quite a bit these days. They strap GoPros to these race cars, right? And and like, why, why can't we do the same at the start finish line now, right? I mean, there's seems like there's camera angles everywhere we can get them at the racetrack, or at least now more than ever before. So absolutely, I mean, especially these big races to where um, – like imagine if if that situation happened at the Prairie Dirt Classic or shoot the World 100, right? Obviously, there's probably there's always there's always a seems like there's always a few photographers right at the start finish line at Eldora. I know that there's this like window, um, you know, through the in or through the infield fence to where it like you can shoot your camera right at the start finish line so maybe that's not an issue at eldora but um other racetracks it could be so um you know that's where my mind goes to down the road obviously like when's the last time we had a a finish that close i mean um two one thousandths of a second i mean when's the last time we had that in the sport too so of all the the thousands of races that go on throughout the country that we cover so rare, ultimately very rare situation, but still we got to, you know, look at this moving forward. And, and as Robert said, probably some more sentences to be added in the rule book. And also too, um, we need something to differentiate the scoring loop, um, discern where the scoring loop is and, 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 and how much and where, that lines up in comparison to the start finish line. So yeah, I mean, let's let's put a camera there at the start finish. Uh, um, I think it's time, no, right? We, we have enough. No, else. no, no. We, if we're gonna have a scoring loop, we can't put the camera at the start finish line. We've got to put the camera at the scoring loop. Yes, at the scoring loop. If we're gonna, yes. yeah, it right. needs to be at the scoring loop, not the, the start finish start line, because we're racing back to the loop. So I have no problem with yeah. the camera. Just make sure it's at that loop, not at the start-finish line. I say we go back to judgment calls. Let's do that. That'd be epic. That'd Let's be, do that. Uh, Let's uh, set the sport back but, 20 years. That, that race could have been a dead heat. That could have been called a dead heat. It might have been called a dead heat 25 or 30 years ago. I mean, I've been Easily. in races of dead heats, and they yes. probably weren't a dead heat. There was no doubt. I mean, there's dead heats a lot, a lot of times it used to be called. But you couldn't make a determination if there's no transponder or – uh, you know, great picture. Um, right. I, I do think that I mean, at dirt tracks too, we can't put a line across the racetrack like at an asphalt track. Every asphalt track, almost every asphalt track, I think, probably has a start-finish line. It goes right across the racetrack. Um, maybe that's where that's most likely where the the transponder would be too. But you can't have that out of dirt track. If you put chalk down, it's going to go away, just like in the turn four when they would have the chalk line for restarts and stuff. There needs to be some sort of it really it, put a yard of bricks, sort of, a yard of bricks, yeah, just like a, you a know, yard of bricks across. Uh, it's always been sort of a, um, you know, a, a, a uncertain thing with this finish line in a dirt track. If you don't have anything on the wall, or you know, or if, if you have a transponder, hell, the transponder line might not even be. It might it might be on an angle. You know, what happens if it's on an angle? That's going to put the guy on the outside. A little bit ahead of the guy on the inside, no matter what, you know. That's a good point. Um, that thing has to be. You know, straight. I mean, it could be. They're, I'm sure they didn't get some surveyor out there to perfectly align this thing perfectly straight, 100. Uh, percent It could be up here at the top, and then bottom. It's a. I mean, in the middle of the racetrack, it's a little bit different. Um, I, 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 I mean, it. That's perfect for, you know, that transpire is perfect for, you know, the. the each lap of the race, you know, but not the last. Sometimes it's not going to be that last lap, though. I mean, for time trials, it's it, great. Everybody's going to the same spot. The, the entire race, everyone's going to the same spot. And it's like the easy way to make a call for this guy goes in front. But on that last lap, when the money is 100% on the line, 
Oh, I mean, you, it's still there's some there could be a question there if you don't have a line somewhere let you let you know where that line is, where the transponder line, the loop is, or a start finish line. I, I would love to see a, the photo finish camera, you know, like one of like a horse race. You have that high speed photo finish camera. I mean, especially for these bigger. I mean, if that happens in the the million, everybody's like, you know, there's a nine hundred thousand dollar difference between first and second. I mean, it's not just that it was a thirty thousand was pretty substantial for this race but imagine if it was nine hundred thousand dollar difference between first and second man those you're better you better make sure the winner had what was right there was co totally 100 percent correct uh wherever that line is what you you had you had specified before the driver's meeting um I mean, it doesn't like kyle said doesn't happen it's rare these these things but 2021, Lucas had this finish with Earl Pearson and uh, and Josh Rice. I, you know, I'm just talking about some higher profile. 2020, there, there's there's twice in the last nine years that three times now that the Rocket One team has been involved in a photo finish. Just 2014, the Dream Prelim. And one, he was Crawford ahead in the Eckert. transponders. And Eckert was ahead on the transponders. And then they determined, you know, like, well, hey, that's the transponder is ahead of where the actual line is supposed to be. So they gave it to Burkhofer. And then back in 2020, it was a COVID race. No people in the Ricky stands. Ricky Thornton won that race. I don't know. World of Outlaws. Ricky Thornton and Brandon Shepard. Brandon Shepard got it. Ricky Thornton apparently didn't even have his his uh, his transpiring in the right spot. He only had the, the I remember that, like they were saying afterwards, they realized that the tra they didn't have it in the pocket there, you know, where it was supposed to be. But um and that one looked like possibly Ricky again, but nothing perfectly straight on. And one guy's going faster than the other guy. And, you know, it's, it's a tough call. You know I mean, it's like, you want to have a great finish, but when you get that great finish, it's sometimes it's a nightmare for the people making the call. Yeah. Uh... Hey, not, not having your transponder in the right spot is, is a, is an absolute no, no. You know, I saw yeah. uh, Billy Moyer Jr. Get disqualified at Magnolia. Uh, because his transponder wasn't in the right spot. And that was just after, I think, maybe after qualifying, I think, you know, and that's just one lap. Everything goes back, like you were saying, goes back to the same spot. So I don't even really think he should have been DQ'd from qualifying. But yeah. in a race, that makes a big difference because, like you said, scoring it time-wise is one thing. But when your transponder's there, you're if it's in the wrong spot, you technically – could be beating someone back to a spot so uh so mm -hmm. yeah having that having it, it was really i was really glad a lot of people on social don't you know they're like don't realize and haven't paid attention you know people jump to judgments and they don't pay attention and don't read through everything rick and them checked supposedly i wasn't there but rick and them checked the transponder locations that is key and that is very important. And I'm so glad that that was thoroughly done, you know? So, uh, so these people need to understand that that wasn't an issue. Uh, I do still think there's some, some, a better idea. I do have a few better ideas about how we can locate this transponder deal, but that's, you know, for another time, but still, uh, I think it's very important about that transponder location. Um, and that they went through that process and to make sure that was legit and, and in good yeah. spot, you know? You talk about those transponders too. I think our Kelly Carlton, uh, well, you know, not our Kelly Carlton, but we know him, you know, the ultimate Southeast um, uh, director. And uh, he made some comments, he made a little post on Facebook about like, he brought up some good points too. He, he mentioned that like a lot of racetracks started putting that, loop uh, you know a certain distance ahead of the of what should be the start finish line because the i was back when most of the series most of the most everyone had required teams to put the transpire in the back of the car and he said that you had the the, the loop where the guys are crossing it with their transponder a, a certain distance back from the start finish line it would be like when the actual spot where the where the it'd be the length of the car you know one car length before the start finish line so when that guy's going across with his transponder the nose of the car is going across the finish line he pointed that was kind of an interesting comment i thought uh, that he made um and then we also think about it like the nose of the, you can't put it on the exact nose you can't put the transponder on the nose the front 
actual nose of the car be knocked off probably all the time, you know, because the bumper sticks out from the frame um, and everything. So like you're really racing. I mean, the nose, do you just get rid of that nose and just say, hey, you're racing to where that transponder is located? That's the actual determining factor. And yeah, there's all these little factors for this situation that doesn't come up all the time. But um, man, it's a uh, yeah, either either go with something or call it a dead heat like they uh, would have done. And I mean, again, I've seen it happen when I know it wasn't a dead heat. I remember I've seen something, some modified big block modify races. I know it wasn't a dead heat. The promoter said it was a dead heat to get a guy in the race through a B main or something or a non qualifiers race. I'd seen it at Syracuse one time for the super dirt week race. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's tough, tough to make a, they call some, but it makes it, man, we're all talking about it. You know, that's for sure. Yeah. We're talking about it uh, days later and uh, keeps the, keeps the discussion going on. That's for sure. Kovac, I know what we could do for these big money paid races. We bring in the savvy veteran to just hand score. Who am I going to say? Bring in Sammy Driggers, and he makes the yes. call. It's all him. He'll make the call from up there in the tower, right? Yeah, the only time you see him <laughs> watching Sammy the race go. is Charlotte. What do you... Yeah, that's about one of the few times he goes up in the tower anymore, right? He doesn't even go in the tower much. Well, that's how he started his career down there in uh, Florida yep. was scoring when he was very young. The so, teenage uh, Sammy Driggers eyes. was scoring. Yes, he's got eyes like a cat. <laughs> but, you know, it would be helpful if we had like a, a marker or a line or something to show where the loop is if we're going to use that. Uh, maybe have the horse track photo finish. That'd be cool as well, where the loop's at uh, to make it very interesting. But all in all, Bobby Pierce and Hudson O'Neill put on a show and got the whole internet buzzing about that finish there. It was a great one, but maybe we can just tweak a few things. And I think moving forward, we will see that because, you know, this day and age with people on social media, you can tweet different photos and different angles and stuff like that and get it up right away before they even make the finish. Uh, be definitely, definitely very helpful. Uh, all right, let's go with one more thing there. Let's go, uh, Kyle McFadden with the tie-dye bab shirt, the outlaw. Look at you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um but no, just kind of wanted to give a summer nationals update. I'm in the middle of my summer nationals travels, and you know, picked up a Shannon Babb shirt along the way. I've you know figured to to give him. Uh, you got to you know, bring him some good dollars. luck. Yeah, you know, maybe he can put that toward his new drive shaft that he broke at um, you know Farmer City leading that heat race, and um, I mean, just a, a, a snake bitten week there for Shannon Babb on the summer nationals. I mean, he had opportunity to win three races, came out with zero wins and he's not supposed to race any races this week on the summer nationals. Um, based off of what he told me after, you know, that unfortunate incident that happened at Hopstadt on Sunday, but, um, no, um, I'll be back on the summer nationals beat on Friday at Hartford in Michigan and then rounding that out at Oak shade and Wayne County on Saturday and Sunday in Ohio. So, um, and then that's it for the summer nationals. It always, always goes by so quickly it seems. And, um, some really nice stories too, that emerge, um, from last week's week four, you know, Mike Harrison of the modified ringer coming in and, you know, winning his first race at tri city, his first ever dirt late model race at, at um, Tri-City last Tuesday, um, and then Ryan Unzinker, too. Um, you know, those that uh, haven't read the story, I wrote about him after his Herald and Review 100 win at Macon. Uh, go read that. Um, he for sure needed that that win from what he told me. And then, uh, you know, Dylan Thompson there on Sunday at Hopstock. He's got dance moves. Is he's got some dance moves. That's right. I've never seen any anybody get out on top of the roof and uh, do the shimmy, do whatever, whatever he calls that. Right? Uh, Mom makes pizza rolls. So I, I saw that tweet. That was nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, some good stories that came out of the week, and then that uh, you know that uh, scrappy race at Highland too between Ashton Winger and Shannon Babb and, you know, Mike Harrison was a, a good race too on a wild night there on Saturday and dirt late model racing across the country. So, yep. That is my summer nationals update there. Yeah. And also Shannon Babb, this is only the second time 
if he doesn't race the rest of the week and doesn't win, it will only be the second time since 1999 that he didn't win a Summer Nationals race in a season. The last one was in 2020. So, uh, Shane and Bab, we got to get you out there. We got to get you a W or some W somewhere. But uh, yeah, tough week for him. Uh, Robert Holman, how about you? Uh, first of all, you, I love Sam Driggers, and uh, I, I really enjoy hanging out in the dirt car trailer with him. But you guys talk about even when we're not talking, you know, Sam's always sitting over there writing checks and stuff. But how in the hell does he score a race through? The, how does he see a race through the smoke? How's it? How's it? You know, I can't imagine. No smoking at score? Charlotte. No smoking oh, in the press okay. box. You go I was just curious start. how he could see how he, he could focus and see through the smoke. So uh, he's a professional, though. He knows how to do that it. That is true. Uh, no, my, my one more thing is uh, just some, some news we heard this week out of Tennessee. Oh, and, and Kyle, you know, is it, isn't it it hard to believe from the time this drops five days, if you count today from the time this drops, five days in the Dirt Car Summer Nationals will be over, over. It's crazy. This season's rolling by in a hurry. But, no, my one more thing, Volunteer Speedway. Uh, uh, the promoters there uh, have decided to pull the plug, cut the cord, um uh, 86 it vacation whatever you want however you want to call it however you want to put it uh they uh barry prophet and his family have decided enough's enough and they are which they sublet that track from vic hill who has i guess the 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 lease on the track so so it's not like racing is dead at bulls gap it's just that this promoter is out at bulls gap uh, i do believe that uh on monday a few days from now that the um the Schaefer's Southern Nationals promoted by Ray Cook. I do believe that that race is still scheduled to go on. Uh, I don't think there's going to be an interruption in that particular schedule. But as far as racing at Volunteer Speedway in East Tennessee, it is certainly for the rest of the year after Monday's Schaefer's race, uh, it is definitely up in the air at this moment. So uh, it's just kind of a story to keep your eyes on and and. And uh, I do not believe that this track uh, is closing because of all the negativity on Facebook. I don't believe that. There are other factors. Um, you know, it's not one thing. It's a combination of a lot of things. And the biggest thing is the fact that uh, you have to make money to continue going in this sport. And I don't think that they were. So, uh, anyway, that is my one more thing, just a story to kind of kind of. Keep your eyes on. See what happens over there at Bulls Gap. Yeah, it's just a historic track. Uh, closing up shop here for the time being. But like you said, a very famous uh, track in the Tennessee area. Let's hope they can get somebody to go in there and uh, you know get it figured out, turned around a little bit. Uh, Kevin Kovac, how about you, buddy? You got some. You got a good one, I bet. I just want to give another shout out to Deer Creek Speedway for. Uh, their go for 50 weekend. I mean, that's a track deserving of a, of a big event. They really go all out. I mean, the, everything, they take care of the little details. Uh, uh, it was probably one of the most efficiently run, uh, you know, big shows I've seen. I mean, every, each night the racing was starting, the hot laps were starting right on time. Things go nice and smooth. Uh, they were, had everything, uh, you know, efficiently run races ending early. Uh, the only little, you know, little problem was they did water that racetrack so much before the feature on Saturday that the track, the drivers had the, the starters of the feature had to run 15, 20 laps to get it run in and then had to have a fuel stop before the race started to top off their tanks because they did so many laps. So that wasn't the greatest, but Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give them a, you know, everything else went so good. I mean, they, they take care of little things. Everything's all the grass is cut. The weeds are pulled. Uh, they have uh traffic they have uh guys in the parking lot telling you where to go park and it was filled so much that they had to send people to a far farmland you know a uh, big uh, field Huge across track. the street uh, i mean and they have tractors with tra with a trailer behind it to take the fans from the long far away parking lots to the front gate even after the races each night on uh thursday and friday they had the tent set up in the pits you know sponsor tent and everything they have a band in there Free beer and free uh, pulled pork sandwiches oh. for everybody. Oh. I mean, like free beer. They weren't charging for the beer even. Anybody, this was this was not just for the 
for the competitors. I mean, like the competitors, they had their own, you know, they also have that pork chop feed for all the, all the entries, all the entered people on Saturday afternoon. Uh, for, I mean, that's a tradition for the Gopher 50, but they actually had free beer for everyone to come over to that tent and, and food also. So, man, you, you, they just really deserve a pat on the back. All the Deer Creek management. I missed for that. I the missed that. Yeah, they put in. They put in the extra effort to have a big race. Yep, you yeah, missed you out on that, Swab. Go for fifty's been around a long time, and let's hope it stays at Deer Creek. You know, it's been bounced around there at the beginning stages of it, but now it's been yeah. there for you know here nearly yeah, twenty years. Uh, yep. Shout out to all the people up there in Deer Creek. Did you see our boy John? From Wisconsin, he was looking for. Oh well, yeah, he. Well, I didn't see him though. too. I didn't really talk to him a lot, but I I saw him walk by one time into the pits. He's he's always on the scene, you know. All right, just making sure. My one more thing is, uh, tonight starts the Eldora Million for the Sprint Cars there in Flow Racing. So be sure to check it out, and all you late model people, be cheering for Tyler Courtney, Donnie Schatz, and Kyle Larson because those guys are late model guys through and through. They're gonna try to win a million dollars here tomorrow night, but you know. A big time dirt track race happening, the biggest in the history of sport uh, in dirt racing. So be sure to check it out in Flow Racing. And also, I just wanted to give a shout out to Dylan Thompson. That was a sweet dance there in Victory Lane, and quite the quite the quite the very charismatic Victory Lane. You know, Tom and the yeah. whole Hobsack. Great interview, yeah, right. Yes, yeah, a great interview, yeah. wasn't it, Derek? If, huh? Tom, very if you're good interview. It was a good take, interview. You need to take that interview and put it on your social media because it was a great interview. He was all fired hey, up. But, but hey, Dylan hey, Thompson hey, sells hey, trucks. Hey. Dylan Thompson sells three hundred thousand dollar trucks. He's got to be able to talk somebody into something. He he he. You can tell he's 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 good. Uh, so he the did a great shock interview. Of the whole for thing, sure. The biggest shock of the whole thing is he's been racing for twenty years. I'm like, I thought this guy was only like twenty six, <laughs> twenty seven, but apparently not. You know, he must be you know around my age or a little older. But hey. Shout out Dylan Thompson. Great interview. Great dance. It was a good strut there. But like I said, this weekend we got Lucas Oil action. We'll have World of Outlaw highlights from Ponderosa and Brownstown. Be sure to check the Eldor Million starts tonight with the two prelims. Then the big time million dollar to win feature tomorrow. We'll have all other articles on Dirt on Dirt. Be sure, be sure to check live racing at Flow. I'm Derek Kessinger alongside these beautiful reporters. Till next time, we'll see you next weekend on the Dirt Reporters.